Running fast is good, but not headfirst into a brick wall. Similarly, software development needs to move fast, but moving too fast typically is not secure and can cause headaches. Furthermore, old security protocols are inefficient and insufficient. Idan Plotnik, the co-founder and CEO of Aprio, makes the case for a platform that quickly provides contextualized information concerning coding. When you don't have the visibility to what you have, you cannot build an application security program. You cannot remediate and chase your tail. And eventually when you chase your tail, your head is getting into the wall. So you can't spin up like that and chase vulnerabilities. It's the wrong way to go. You need visibility. And by the way, visibility is a tricky word because visibility can say, hey, I know which tools do you have, but this is a deep thing. It's not only that you are getting a software bill of materials, you're getting all the assets that you have in your code, the APIs, the dependencies, the knowledge of the developers, the technologies, the cloud APIs, security controls that you are using. And all this in a period automatically between 30 minutes to an hour. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Idan explains the inadequacies of traditional security checks within software development and the solutions that his platform provides. He describes how Apiro focuses on quickly providing contextualized information during the coding process so that communication to address these issues is easier and that these risks are mitigated. He also chats a bit about his passion for the tech security mission and what correlation he sees for those with a similar interest who learn a mission-oriented mentality in the Israeli army. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have the CEO and co-founder of Apiro, Idan Plotnik, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Albert. Thank you for having me. Hey, right out the gate. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. You're in a hot industry. Apiro's in a hot industry. But for our audience who doesn't know what Apiro does, if you could go ahead, please, and tell us what is Apiro and what does it do? So it's simple. We secure your software development lifecycle from design to code to cloud. That's simple. That's simple. <laughs> it's complex behind the scenes, but we secure your software development lifecycle and we built an application risk management platform that can understand for each line of code that you write. We understand the business impact. We understand who are you as a developer? What's your knowledge? And this is how we help AppSec practitioners and also developers remediate risks early in the development process with context. And this is the missing part in DevSecOps today, context. I have some development experience, but I also want to make sure we're totally clarified and everyone uh, is on the same page. So the old way of doing things was, hey, I write code. I use whatever services in the cloud I need. I ship them to, let's say, QA. And then some other guy tells me I'm wrong or I have a problem or I have a vulnerability or something else. The way you're describing it is as I am coding, you are checking this for me so that I do not ship code with holes, code with security vulnerabilities. That's what it sounds like to me, what you're describing. Absolutely. Let's double click on that because the devil is in the details. 
while you commit your code to GitHub before shipping it to the cloud, we are there and we are commenting on your pull request and saying, Albert, we identified a design flaw or misconfiguration or secrets in code or architecture change that require a review or data exposure or something simple. You developed a new API and you forgot to enable authorization on the API. My secret key is one, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) This is very different. I mean, this is very different from the way development has traditionally been done. Like we just, the way I described it is a very reactive process. Hey, I'm going to ship code. I'm going to commit it. Somebody else's job. And I worked at companies where we told our developers all the time, hey, you got to check your code before you commit it. But it's not, we already know it's not possible to check your own stuff. It's this is not possible. You will inevitably have a gap. And so the old process definitely had more labor, more time. We live in a place where everyone wants to sprint faster. There's no dev shop that wants to go slower. Everyone wants to go faster. And so you're nodding your head there, but kind of give us an idea like, how did you come up with this? Where did you get the inspiration? Was it from this traditional model of like constantly checking in code and someone else coming back to you like, hey, you missed this, you missed that, you missed this? Where was your inspiration for Apiro? I just want to say before I will answer your question that software development is the core driver of business growth. So it's absolutely aligned to what you said. Everyone wants to ship software faster and faster and faster. And there is collision between moving fast and delivering secure code. So now back to your, your original question. 20 seconds about me. I'm 20 years in the cybersecurity industry, started at the IDF in a cybersecurity unit, moved to, after five years, I had my own consulting services company running pen tests. After that, I started a startup which was acquired by Microsoft in 2015. At Microsoft, I was a director of software engineering, and I felt this pain slash challenge firsthand. Instead, I I committed on timeframe to the business, and I couldn't deliver. And this is why we started Apiro. We wanted to rethink, to reinvent the secure software development lifecycle, and It must be across the board from the design while you code and while you ship. So Apiro is actually at each one of these stages. Yeah. So the way you were describing it, especially inside of a big company, you're going to have a lot of checks, a lot of balances that you have to hit before it ever goes to production. There's a lot of processes to ensure code quality, code security. You You were talking about this list of checks. How long was the list? Ha, wow, this is, by the way, you touched the the most painful point, Albert. This was a 150 questions in an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. 150 in Excel. And and this Excel was probably what, like full of like macros and all kinds of stuff. It was probably really difficult to work with and open. And it's also probably very difficult on the other side to verify because it's Excel's free field. Like, I mean, most of it's free field. Like I could, I could easily write that I checked some, like, did you perform this check? Yes. And not actually do it. Of course, there's nothing that's actually made me do whatever the cell requested. This is the problem, Albert. So people are answering the questions 
and nobody can validate or ensure against the code. You are wasting the time of everyone because you need to do a compliance check. And we wanted to change the paradigm and actually validate in an automatic manner that you are following the security and compliance requirements. And you have one, one single source of truth, Albert, one single source of truth, which is the code. So you, you, you experience it firsthand. I mean, that's, that's serious pain. I can't stand anything that requires me to do. I call it administrating the administration or admitting the admin. Whenever I see something that I have, to, I think is admitting my admin, I always think to myself, this is a pain in my butt. Uh, you know, very similar to like, hey, doing expense reports, you know, you're doing your validation checks on your own code. You're filling out these 150 step forms. So you have the inspiration to say, hey, we're going to change that. How did you begin to solve this problem? Because one of the things about these checks, surely, is that some of the steps or many of the steps possibly happen outside of code. Like they require something to happen outside of code base. So I'm sure you identify like, hey, what happens in code? What happens outside of code? Is that how you kind of started tackling this problem? How did you, how did you begin? Let's again dive, dive into the details because this is interesting. And we filed five patents on the technology. So when me and my co-founder, Jonathan, when we started the company, we were sitting at my, literally at my basement. And I'm, I'm not kidding, like literally we, we were sitting two months in my basement and we went through between 50 to 100 repo code repositories in GitHub. And then we found out something very interesting. We found out that by scanning the code itself, you cannot answer these questions. You need more context. So what we did, we combined text analysis with code analysis throughout the history, plus profiling the knowledge and the activity of the developers. So we are actually analyzing the code commits, the pull requests, the user stories in Jira. And we understand that Albert is a top-notch backend developer that helps other junior developers in Java remediate risks. And when you combine these things together, you have a very unique starting point. This is the fundamental of the Apiro platform. On top of that, you can connect to other tools to enrich their data because you have some unique data points. So you can do things like prioritize vulnerabilities that are coming from noisy tools. You can automate the risk assessment questionnaires because you have the context. You can trigger a process based on this knowledge. So this is what Appear is all about. It's a risk hub that on one hand, we have our own intellectual property of analyzing code, text, and developer knowledge. And on the other hand, we consume data from any other tools in the, or processes throughout the secure software development lifecycle. And then we spit up or spit out a process or an insight and saying, hey, Albert, you cannot release this one because you have A, B, C, D types of risks. Or while you open a pull request, a peer gets into your pull request as yet another developer in your tool and saying, Albert, you know what? This code is risky because you added a secret or 
an API key to access AWS in your code. We are not allowing you to move forward. Please fix it. And you know what? You don't know how to fix it. Great. Talk to Idan, and we are bringing Idan into the pull request automatically because we know the knowledge of Idan from analyzing the history. You're also building a collaboration platform where developers can work interactively with each other. I want to restate what Idan just said so that people can try to conceptualize this because it's extremely different than probably how anyone has worked together on a software project to date. For example, let's use that junior versus experienced developer. Hey, you're a junior developer. Apira's recognizing that. Let's say you have your junior developer working on a project. You would then know like, hey, this person should get it checked, like you said, by like a SME, a subject matter expert. It doesn't get checked. Right then and there, you automatically know it's got a gap. So you know who is involved, you know when they're involved because you can see like the login, for example, I'm the junior, Idan's the expert. During Apiro's monitoring of the service, Idan never looks at it. Okay, now we know no one has ever checked this. Uh, you can do things like you just said that you can get context out of the requirement using NLP technology. So for example, if something said like, I'll use FinServe because you kind of gave an example of FinServe before we got this conversation started. But one of the things a lot of financial products don't want to do is record, let's say, account numbers. But I write a pull request from a bank and I accidentally store it, even if it's in temporary cash. You would say, the requirement's this. I see this. This doesn't match. This is a problem. Absolutely. And I want to emphasize a point, okay? So there are a lot of application security aggregation tools out there. They ingest a lot of data and trying to show you nice graphs and remove deduplications of uh, vulnerabilities, but they are not actually analyzing the code and the text and the developer knowledge. And this is our leverage on all the other players. This is why we scaled the company in one year. We launched the company in October last year with $35 million from Greylock and Kleiner Perkins. And we have a like large customer base. And the reason is because of the context that we are providing. And this is exactly what you described. We automatically identify PII data, personal information, identifiable information that the developer in the bank added. And now it's written into a log file and it's a violation of the governance in this bank. Raise a flag, stop the pull request, and you cannot introduce risk into the application without either uh, reviewing or approving my code. And this is the multidimensional risk engine approach, looking at everything that you can, and not only, I'm sure you're familiar with all the SaaS tools that are looking for vulnerabilities like SQL injection and parameter manipulation and all these things. This is too noisy. And eventually what, what happened? The poor guy or girl at the AppSec team, that the ratio is one AppSec engineer to 200 developers. Now they need to go through a thousand alerts and say, hey, 80% of it, it's false positives because it's missing the context. And this is what we are bringing into the, into the table. And this is a game changer. By the way, I'm sure you know that we won the uh, most innovative startup in the RSA Innovation Sandbox out of 
thousand startups and we got the cool vendor from Gartner for DevSecOps. It's only because of this new approach that we are introducing into the application security market. How long before you and your co-founder thought this is how we do it? We need to pull in outside data sources because that's the really the key. The outside data sources, the NLP on the request, like how, when we pull all this together, how long before you came up with the idea did you actually have a working MVP that you were willing to give it to a customer? Because analyzing code and analyzing text and analyzing developer behavior, it's so hard. Like you have the SaaS tools out there that after 15 years in the industry, they're not covering everything. I'm talking engineering wise, analyzing the content of code, text, and behavior, it's difficult. Having said that, and I can't go into the details more than that, we developed a different technology. Yes, we are statically scanning the code, but it's a different technology than finding vulnerabilities like all the static analysis tools. And we developed a generic engine that can handle a lot of things. And this is why after a year, maybe less, you know what, no, a year, we had a product that provides value, provided value to customers. And after a year, we started getting paying customers. When we have the, the fundamentals, we have the context, now we can enrich everything that you have. So you can literally send us your pen testing results, your manual pen testing results, and you can send us your manual compliance results, but also your automation tools results into Apiro, and we will enrich it and say from 1,000 results, deal only in these three because they have a business impact on your application. I remember we installed New Relic to like help us monitor things and it sent off so many false positives that eventually no one looked at it. And I'm not trying to dog New Relic, maybe we installed it wrong, but you get the idea. <laughs> if you get false positives, this is, a, this is a serious problem. What you're talking about, like you said, it is a different way of doing business. Let's imagine you and I have never met and I'm running a business and we're developing software and I know my dev cycles. When these new customers give you a try, what are they noticing? Are they noticing A, the amount of vulnerabilities detected before a push is just going up through the roof. And so they get, you know, they get excited or do they notice that their software dev cycles start dropping or do they notice both things? I'd love to know what people experience because you are correct. If you didn't catch what Edan said, they got funded for $35 million series A that's public record in October of 2020 companies growing extremely fast. What are these customers experiencing when they, when they use the product for the first time? Because that's always the, the eye-opener, right? I've worked in a company where we developed software. We thought it was going to be game-changer. We shipped the code. The guy's like, I barely noticed it happened. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> Nothing changed. But it sounds like things are changing when new customers try your product out. Their business changes pretty quick. Apura is a software as a service platform. You log in with your GitHub account, and between 30 minutes to an hour, you see the value. And I will explain what's going on behind the scenes. We are connecting the dots and we provide you visibility. And the first thing that I think 80% of the customers are saying, what? I didn't know that my developers are using 
this API. I didn't know that they are using this technology or this authentication framework. I didn't know that. And then they're saying, you're showing me where do I have sensitive data? How many APIs do I have in my code? How many cloud assets do I have that are interact, like code elements that are interacting with cloud assets? And then it's mind blowing just to get the visibility. And then we got them. We, like, we got them. Now we can go and do all the complex workflows to automate, to block, to shift left things. Great. But 30 minutes to an hour, you see the value. In some cases, we managed to close a deal in one week. In some, not. Again, when you don't have the visibility to what you have, you cannot build an application security program. You cannot remediate and chase your tail, you know, and eventually when you chase your tail, your head <laughs> is getting into the wall. So you can't spin up like that and, and chase vulnerabilities. It's the wrong way to go. And this is the fundamental thing. You need visibility. On top of visibility, and by the way, visibility is a tricky word because visibility can say, hey, I know which tools do you have, but this is a deep thing. Like, it's not only that you are getting, I don't know if you're familiar with SBOM, with the software bill of materials. You're getting all the assets that you have in your code the APIs, the dependencies, the knowledge of the developers, the technologies, the cloud APIs, the security controls that you are using. And all this in a period automatically between 30 minutes to an hour, it's an eye-opening. And from here, we are much more educated and knowledgeable. And by the way, it builds trust between the AppSec team and the developers, which is the missing part in the industry. Because if I will come to you as a developer, I'm an AppSec engineer and you're a developer, and I will ask you tedious questions like, Albert, can you draw me the architecture of your uh, platform or your product? I'd right away say, you're annoying, man. Like, hey, I got work to do. This is the reality. And, and you will kick me off and, and that's it. The trust is broken. And we are trying to say, hey, stop. Don't engage with the development teams before you are knowledgeable of what they are doing. And then I can come to Albert and say, Albert, you know, this sensitive API that lists all the users in the, in the sys in your platform is exposing PII data. And you will say, what? How do you know about this API that I developed? And then you say, hey, look, I looked at the code. I spent a lot of time. Now, Albert will trust Idan and they can have a meaningful conversation and help remediate the risk. It's not only a technical conversation. It's a matter of trust. I've read some surveys among developers when it talks about, hey, what's like the best type of environment to work in? Many developers talk about the ability to work on cool projects, the ability to work and ship code that is used in production. And Nobody raises their hands and says, oh, I love the quality checks. No one says that, right? <laughs> no one Nobody. wants to be slowed down. Unfortunately, the developers, they don't care about security. They don't like it, you know? 
Listen, we've had plenty of CISOs come on and say like, it's questionable if anyone cares because the whole ethos of software development is exactly as you said, ship faster for the customer. And if there's a mistake, eh. We had a CISO on our show once say, if you invest in every company after security breach, you will have made a fortune. Because they talked about how stock <laughs> prices fall, but they don't go away because the, if they're a big enough business or the service is critical enough, it's still essential. So this is super fascinating. So you're t- the time to value 30 minutes. I've worked with plenty of clients and companies and on different tools where, and guests, where, you know, obviously with the day you log in, it takes a while to build up what you need. You're saying 30 minutes, you're going to start seeing information. You don't need to define rules or policies or all this things that nobody knows. What, What do you want from me? Okay. Show me the value. I paid you or I'm going to pay you money. Show me the value. I don't want to work for you. You need to work for me, you know, (laughs) and that's it. This is the case. So we've actually just by chance alone been on a run of guests, all Israeli, all who have started security companies who got acquired by another company and they're back doing it again. I can name them for you. By the time yours airs, these others will have aired uh, Wiz. Transmit security, uh, just two off the top of my head that you're not, you probably, you probably know these guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's a, swar- a small world. Do you think there's something uniquely happening in the Israel tech dev community that is allowing for this to happen? Because there's a group of people that are extremely focused, obviously extremely successful, but kind of like you, still, you know, get acquired, work for a big company, but still hungry, still seeing ways to help other people. Do you think there's anything unique or special about the Israeli tech community that's allowing this to happen? First, this is my third startup. Okay, I sold my first one and then the second one to Microsoft. I can say that, I don't know, I'm a geek. I love technology <laughs> and, and, and I love solving problems. And eventually, my passion, again, it's me. I like to hear about a problem, translate it into a solution, technical solution that I can wrap, I can market, and I can sell. That's what motivates me personally, the end-to-end story from an idea to a big company. I think we sold Aerato too early. We sold it for more than $200 million after two years, and we raised only $8.5 million, which was Great outcome for everyone. But I think we sold it too early. And now we are building a big, big company. I think we have, we have what it takes to run a big company. We have the support of the right investors. We have the passion, I think, to make a change. You know, I think it's important because the world is running on software. We need to secure it early in the development process and not late in, you know, wherever you deploy your code. It's a huge mission. I think we as a team, we are now around 80 people at the company. We are aligned with, with the goal and it's a big mission. And I think it's going back to the army. Eventually in the army, we got a mission And we had to accomplish the mission no matter what. And it's the same thing here. When you ask me what's unique in Israel, what's unique at the company, these great companies that you mentioned, the founders at Transmit Security are my friends and my investors. 
Apiro. I, I know them. We were at the same unit at the army together. You know, we are hungry. We want to succeed and we want to show the world we can make it and build a, a successful company. People always look for patterns of success. You know what I mean? And I think that there's really interesting things happening in the InfoSec world or DevSec world, as you suggested, in Israel. And it's, you know, it's probably a combination of all those things that you just mentioned. Great community, tight-knit community. Uh, you said mission focus. I'm sure service time in the Army helps you get that way. And then there's a pattern of repeat success. So it like kind of, it fuels it. Hey, listen, if you're out there and you're looking to get in DevSecOps, DevSec security, like like these companies and the founders know what they're doing. So if you want to hang your, you know, hang your career on somebody, bam, <laughs> give Idan a call. You need, I know you guys need some good people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Idan, it was awesome having you on the show. But before you go, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Idan, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so that our audience can get to know you a little better. You ready? Ready. All right, man. You called yourself a geek, but I don't know if that's actually true. What do you do for fun outside of work? Work. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm biking. And you know what? I started a Puro two years ago. Before that, I actually, I surfed. Now I didn't, I didn't go to the, to the beach for two years. So I, I really like to surf, but uh, I don't have the time. I'm an avid surfer. Listen, will you and me, we need to go on a trip. We'll get you back in the waves. <laughs> let, let, let's do it. <laughs> you know, one of the things that we, a lot of tech leaders often are, are Gadget heads. Are you a gadget person? You like using a lot of new. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your favorite new gadget gizmo or app that you're just like, wow, this is really cool. So I bought um, a neural helmet. I'm reading my neurons activities, literally. Like I'm I'm putting it, and I see my activities based on things that I'm reading or saying or interacting with people. And I, I track my, my neuron activities. So this is, I don't know if it's a gadget. This is why I'm, I'm a geek. What are you hoping to learn from this? I hope to learn about, you know, my, my, myself and how I interact and how my body interacts in a specific events, in specific scenarios. Are you a biohacker in any way? Do you take like, a, you take supplements and stuff that help you open up your mind? I know people like Joe Rogan are really into that. Never, never, ever. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, no, I'm not this type of guy. Everything is um, natural. My energy is natural, and I don't, I don't need any supplements. <laughs> I'm natural, too, because I'm cheap. <laughs> Whenever I see these supplements, I'm not paying, paying for this. Oh, man. Idan, I want to say thank you for joining us today on IT Visionaries. It was fun hearing about you outside of work, but really, what you're building is super exciting. I don't know if all your customers are like me, where they've actually experienced or are in, been in enterprise, but I remember when we got acquired and we worked in, in like a, by a big private equity company, as our company got bigger, the processes that were put in front of us slowed us down. That was a fact. And I can only imagine that has to be true today. And so anything that moves it faster is going to be a winner. I appreciate you joining and sharing all the, all the thoughts on that. Thank you so much. I enjoyed every minute. And don't forget, Apiro, we secure your software development lifecycle. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thank you. Thank you.